0: Welcome to the Starting With One podcast Success Leaves Clues series with Robin Bailey and Al McDonald. Have you ever wondered what makes someone successful? What are they doing that is different? How do they achieve greatness? We believe that success leaves clues. In this series, we are interviewing very successful people from different walks of life to hear their stories. We'd like to remind our listeners that the views expressed in this podcast are those of our guests and not necessarily those shared by our hosts.
1: Welcome back to the Starting With One podcast, Success Leaves Clues series. Today's episode is sponsored by Life & Legacy Advisory Group. We believe sound financial advice improves people's lives. We're also brought to you by Aria Benefits. We help visionary business leaders to grow their companies through attracting and retaining top talent. I'm your host, Robin Bailey, here with my co-host and maybe a little bit warmer now from shoveling the driveway, Al McDonald. Al, how's your day going now? Much
2: better. Much better. Now that the big snowfall
1: is, is off my driveway, so I can focus on the rest of the day and without having to worry about that. Well, one of the things that I like, Al, that you've been telling me for a couple of years now, that every time that you're out there, uh, you have some elderly neighbors and uh, you take the snowblower over and you do the driveway and they insist on paying you. Usually it's in either wine or beer. I think you're usually in me. beer, usually in beer, which is fine with me. That's that's a pretty good deal. And you know what? It's probably a pretty good deal with them. They see you out there and uh, they think, well, that's getting done. So I think that's a great arrangement. Well, as you know, Friday, Podcast Friday specifically, I love Fridays in general, but Podcast Friday is one of my favorite days of the month. And Today is no exception. We have a fantastic guest. Uh, I've gotten to know him over the last little while. We've just developed a fantastic relationship. You might be looking at this podcast and thinking, why is Robin and Al talking to what most people would think would be a competitor? But we really believe in talking to everyone out in the marketplace and especially in the benefit space. And when we see someone interesting and see some interesting things going in the market, well, certainly we are going to talk to those people. So, without further ado, today's guest is Paul Tashima from Well Simple, and Paul is the Chief Client Experience Officer at Well Simple, leading client success, operations, portfolio management, and work teams to provide an exceptional experience for all clients. He's a firm believer that culture eats strategy for breakfast. I can't wait to dig into that one. And business culture can be built through storytelling. He has always been a leader with a strong focus on sales and customer engagement. Previously, a co-founder and CEO at Nudge, which was acquired by Affinity in 2020, and also led Eloqua, I hope I said that right, marketing automation as part of the founding team from zero to over $100 in revenue through an IPO and a successful acquisition for $957 million by Oracle. I'm so excited to dig into that. Now, Paul has a passion for building great teams and products that help clients grow. Paul's been known to say, your network is your net worth. Welcome to the show, Paul.
0: Thank you for having me, Robin and Al. This is exciting. Looking forward to the chat today.
1: This is exciting. Now, Paul, why don't we start there? Actually, what does that mean? Maybe talk to us first about your network is your net worth. That sounds like a good spot to start.
0: Well, you know, I think I've learned this over the arc of sort of my career is that often some of the best business relationships become friends. You become some of your friends, especially if there's an authentic connection, shared interests, maybe past business challenges that you've gotten through. And those people, if you stay in touch with them and, and make sure you're providing value to them, can lead to some of the best opportunities in your career over time. Um, and I think that it's really important for everyone to sort of nurture and build that network as they think about what they want to do and who they want to help.
1: That's one of my favorite things about this podcast is, is the people that I get to meet, because you're, you're absolutely right. I've become friends with a lot of the guests that we've had on. We've done business with some of the guests. And it's just given me or us, sorry, opportunity to speak to people that I might not otherwise encounter. And it's so true. The your network, when you when you begin to talk to people and, and out there, you're going to create opportunities for yourself. So totally agree with that.
0: Absolutely. And I think that the interesting thing is that sometimes the best opportunities come from people you know only lightly because they really expose you to new groups of people or new ideas. And it's really getting that access that really can help you in sort of like big steps in your career. Yeah, for
1: sure. All right. Well, let's jump into it. So over your career, you've managed you know large enterprise companies, startups, scale-ups. What have you learned about managing people over that time? And how has the employee experience changed over that time?
0: So I'll say something that probably a lot of people say, but I'll, I'll start and I'll give you some details. So I think one of the biggest things is like put your people first. Like I really believe in servant leadership. Like my job as a leader is to really make the people on my team successful. And if I do that, then usually the business is successful, your clients are successful. And a couple of things that I've found that really work in doing that is first, I tend to vector to hire for motivation more than even skills. I found that just because someone's done something 10 times doesn't mean they want to do it the 11th time with the same amount of energy and vigor, especially if it's a new challenge or a new company and you can teach skills. So I really like to align first with motivation in a team, especially as it's growing. The second is that I often have this conversation about what's the difference between great management and great leadership. And I think a great manager can get a lot of people to do... Hard things, but leadership is all about how they feel when they're doing them. You know, are they motivated? Are they inspired? Or are they doing them out of fear, out of shame? That really ch- changes how you think about making a team successful as it grows over time.
1: You know, it's interesting that you say that. There's a company in my industry, in the insurance industry, and they're the only ones that I know of, and they specifically look for people with zero experience. They look for you know who is the person, what's the motivation, what is their character, and one of my favorite reps in the industry and one of the more successful reps in the industry is someone who came into the business with no experience in the insurance side, but you know had that drive, had that motivation. So I, I think you're right. It's it's not always, I mean, experience is a great thing. We just hired someone mm-hmm. with experience and they've hit the ground running, but there was also that motivation there and there was, there was a great fit with our culture and, and, and our values. So that's really interesting to hear you say that.
0: I would agree that that motivational part is key. I mean, experience is great. Like I'm not saying don't hire for any experience all the time, but sometimes you vector too much to just focusing on have they done this before and don't try and really uncover are are they matched well with where our business is in terms of motivating to grow or learn or whatever stage you're at.
2: I love hearing that, Paul, but I am curious, like what do you do to dive deeper? Like you can see skills on a resume, right? They can be listed there. You can look at education. How do you uncover motivation when you're looking for someone new?
0: I often try and get a sense of, first off, where are they in their career? Like, what are they looking to do for next? Like, why are they even interested in coming or working for the company I'm at? I want to get a sense of what are some of their proudest moments? What are some of their moments that they had challenges with? And then what innately gets them out of bed in the morning to get to work? Like, what do they find great about X or Y that they're trying to apply for? That's like not asking them like tactical questions about how to do their job. It's more about like, what's their motivation behind working? On choosing this role, by choosing this company, what's happened in their past life that's maybe affected them and made them really passionate about an area. So all those questions for me really help kind of tease out that idea. Are they aligned with where we're at and what we need from a motivation perspective?
1: Are you obviously doing something right? Because I've had an opportunity to chat with a few of your team members, Katie and Diana. I mean, just phenomenal people to work with. So obviously you've got a model that's uh, that's working really well for you.
0: Yeah, I mean, well, simple for sure. One of the big reasons a lot of people join is the the mission itself and helping people achieve financial freedom. And I think that's a lot of the people in the organization have at one point in their life had um, financial hardship or experienced that either through their parents and really motivates them to help others kind of get past that and have more access to some of the things. And I'm sure many of your clients as well would tell you the same
2: thing. Yeah, I think that's great what you just said there about uh, some of the past experience. And I think that really does come to light. You can see that with, like you say, certain people that are motivated. And we've talked about this in our own business, why we do what we do. And all three of us at one point shared that some of our motivation to be in this business does come from our parents. And Robin will tell you the story and I will tell you the story and and Joe the, the same thing. So it's interesting that you say that. I want to jump in, Paul, a little bit and talk about your offering, your B two B product at Wealth Simple. And I also want to go back though a little bit to what uh, Robin had said at the beginning because probably some people are wondering, hey, why why are you guys talking to Wealth Simple? Like, aren't they a competitor? You know, at the end of the day, I think we can all agree that we probably want the same thing for our clients, and that's to be financially successful and to build wealth and all that kind of stuff. You guys just go about it a little bit differently than we do. But I know specifically that you've got a B two B product, so why don't you tell us about that? and why it is that you've come up with this and how you think it's going to be able to help people. Thanks, Al, for that.
0: And I would say that I would agree that maybe at the very high level, people think we're competitive, but we're not at all. Both you and Robin, Life and Legacy, and Aria offer many different things and a much more full-centered solution around the entire benefits and legacy process. And we're just focused really on the technology side and like how we can enable people to do some of these elements in a self serve model. And so, you know, from my perspective, like, why do we have work? Well, simple work. Well, the same people who are at work doing working hard and employees are the same people who use our other products. And we want to try and reach them in various different ways to give them the access to those financial products that make sense. I would tell you that our GSP offering is one of the lower cost, simplest ones out there. But most importantly, a matching GRSP program is like the best return you're ever going to get, you know, in terms of an investment. And so we want as many employers and employees to have that benefit so they
2: can really both attract great talent and keep them. Yeah, 100% an ideal one-on-one, like you say, with, with many people. And as soon as I see a, an employee matching group, and I have people, I'll say, oh, should I continue to do that? And 100%, like, of course, why wouldn't you? Like you say, you're you're basically getting a 100% return on your investment immediately. So yes, of course, continue to do that. <laughs>
0: Yeah, I totally agree with you. And it's surprising how many people, even in a matching program, still end up enrolling. Uh, And so there is, I think, a little bit of an education and work that I'm sure you and Robin are doing to say, like, this is like the best option you have right now. Go do that and and stay in that until you max it out. And then then you can look for other things you may want to explore from an investment perspective.
1: You're right, Paul. We get those calls all the time about, you know, the the plan administrator saying, I I don't understand why, but they don't want to be in the matching program. And then we have to get on the phone and have a little bit of an education there. I'm really excited that you came on and, and we're talking about this. But, you know, here we are in early 2020 and it would be remiss of us not to talk about the pandemic because in the last two years, the pandemic has changed how we do business and, and how we're all working and how we're offering our products. So from your point of view, has the pandemic reshaped the way, you know, businesses are offering benefits? Cause I'd be curious to hear your view on that. And then maybe as a follow-up, our retirement benefits, seeing an increase in popularity. And then, cause I know what I'm seeing and I can kind of share what I'm after I hear from you.
0: I think two things. One is that although we, you know, we said that for a while, definitely in the the tech world, the startup world, which I'm from, that, you know, we are competing against a global talent pool. I think what the pandemic did is truly create a global talent pool across all industries, not just startups and, and tech. And so because of that, everyone is competing for everyone now. Your hiring plan is probably one of the hardest things to do right now as a growing company in any geo in the world. And because of that, I think we're seeing a lot of people look to providing additional benefits to employees as a way to attract and retain them. And these are material things. On top of it, people, at least I'm finding, I don't know about you, that people are way more cognizant and focused on both their physical and mental health than 100%. ever before. Yeah. And if you don't have a great benefits program to help support that, you're not going to keep those people.
1: Yeah. Paul, it's the first time in my career, and I've been doing this for a long time, over 25 years. You know, it used to be, what's the salary, right? To join a firm. And then it became the salary and benefits. And now it's become, hey, do you have virtual healthcare? What are you doing for mental health support? Do you have an EAP? And even further, and I'll jump ahead and I'll I'll let you answer the second part of the question, but even what type of group retirement plan do you have? I mean, people are asking these questions. So people are a lot more aware of what's out there, what other competitors, especially in the tech space where you know you guys live, it's super competitive. We have very large firms coming into the GTA that are offering everything to employ. So, plan administrators, HR leaders, founders, uh, and business owners are all taking a much closer look at benefit plans and group retirement plans than they ever have in the past. Which I think is an exciting time to be in the space.
0: I would agree. And to follow on with your second part of the question about retirement benefits, we're definitely seeing an uptick in them because even at a very, very early stage of career, people are really focusing on even starting the saving habit early and it makes them feel good. It makes them feel secure. And we're seeing this time and time again, as we go into some of these companies where A, they may not even realize this was a program that was available. And then B, once they're in, they're like, wow, it just makes me feel good to know that I'm putting something away and creating that habit early so I can really maximize my life
1: and what I want to do when I retire. Yeah, absolutely. It's it's something we put in place at our firm a couple of years ago. And it's just gone over very well. And, and, and I talked about a new hire not that long ago. And it was something that he was asking for up front. So it was really interesting to see. I'm going to go off script a little bit here. Not that we're working on a script, but we just talked about, you brought it up, and mental health and how important that is. And people are a lot more cognizant of what employers are offering ways to support them. Someone like yourself. I mean, I read through your bio there and uh, you're doing a lot of stuff. You were actually supposed to be on a podcast a month earlier. You were called to uh, quite an important meeting. So we had to defer. So I appreciate you coming back and and visiting with us, but someone like yourself, Paul, what do you do for that? Hey, I got to get away. You know, I need some mental health time just to relax and get away from business. And before you answer that, Paul, I'm going to
2: piggyback on that question because I do want to hear your answer to Robin's question, but Can you also talk about what we talked about right before we hit record? Because it sounds like you do something interesting at the company for for this type of thing, too.
0: I think there's two things. One is, and I I will be honest, like in my first real long-term gig at at, at that company, Eloqua, I didn't probably have a good balance and think through things properly. I was probably a little obsessed with work and not prioritizing the right things in my life. And so I'd say that two businesses later, including one startup that didn't do as well, I'm way more cognizant of like what's important. And I probably do two things out of that. One is that I've learned as a executive and as a co-founder in two companies that like you have to do something for yourself. So that's the first thing you have to like find whatever it is that's just for you, like not for your family or not for work, but just for yourself that you get joy out of or peace out of. And then the second is, is just really try and learn how to be present and what makes that work for you. I'll give you a, maybe not a great example, but like, for example, on vacations, I bring my laptop, not because I want to work all the time, but because if I check it in, in the morning, and the rest of the day, I can be pretty present. And that's something just I've learned for myself. And then the following with your question, Al. Uh, one thing we do here at well Simple, which I think is pretty great, is that we uh, provide seven additional wellness days throughout the year and tack them on to the long weekends. And the reason why that works is that the majority of the company is actually off on those days. So there's not like everyone else working still sending you slacks or emails or stuff to do. And so that's a pretty good benefit to really get a chance to recharge as well.
2: I was listening closely. And when you said about doing things for yourself, and you kind of said, you know, not your family, not work, my deal is I ride my bike and I go out usually on the weekends. And I'm kind of glad you say that because I like to do it by myself and other people don't always understand that. Even my wife has said, oh, you know, why don't you join a cycling group, right? And and go with them and I'm like... Yeah, and that's kind of my my time where I can just be in my own headspace and just be by myself. And you know, once in a while I will go out with some other people and that's great too. But there are times when you just need that time for yourself. So I'm glad you said that. That's right. Yeah,
0: that's right. That's right, Alan. You're probably at the stage too. You realize you, you don't feel guilty about it. You realize that so that's what works for you.
2: Sometimes I feel guilty, but not <laughs> okay. often. I usually get by it.
1: <laughs> no, I am gonna play this episode for my wife because I like what Paul said because she always looks at me when I bring the laptop on vacation. But I said, for me, I get so much anxiety about coming back to, you know, 700 or 800 emails. Whereas if I can spend an hour in the morning or maybe, you know, maximum an hour and a half and just delegate and file things and put them away, I'm just so relaxed. So I'm glad you said that, Paul. I will be playing this episode for her because I'd like her to hear that. But the other thing I I like that you talked about was about being present. And this is something that I've had to work on because as soon as I sit down at my laptop, That's my focus, right? As soon as I'm engaged, I don't come out of that. And and I found, especially working from home, there were a couple of times where my wife would phone and because I'm working, you know, I talked to her and I'd be almost abrupt or she'd pop in now, you know, working from home, she'd pop into that. And again, I wouldn't be present in that moment when she needed something. And that's something that I've had to work on say, that's the most important thing in my life. The work can step aside for the five or 10 minutes that she needs me. And then I can go back to it. So I love that you said that because I think, I think that's important. For us. And we find that with clients too. The more present you are, I mean, the more engaged they're going to be with you as well, and the more they're going to value what you're bringing to the table. So I'm glad you talked about that. Anything else that you want to mention uh, before we wrap this one up, Paul? I would
0: actually just like to say that, you know, first off, I do appreciate you having me on this podcast. And I think you've done an incredible job building a following for this and also for your businesses. How has it been for you and life and legacy with Al during this pandemic? Like, how has the environment changed at the workplace
2: for you?
1: Let I, I'll go first on
2: that one. Really? Oh, thanks. <laughs> I can say this. We have learned a lot. We've had to adapt. And there are some things that have certainly changed and some things that I think we would not have envisioned before the pandemic that it could have worked. And yet, when we had to make the change, not only did it work, it probably worked better. So there are some things I think that we will not go back to. And a lot of it is to do with technology and how we've worked virtually and how we've been able to just adapt to not being present in the office. And honestly, in many cases, I think it's improved productivity. So that's all positive and not what I'm, what I'm about to say. It's not that it's not positive. But the one thing that I will say in terms of client relationships, we've had to, through the pandemic, you know, do virtual meetings and do meetings like this. I can tell that listen, we, you know, we've still done business. We've still been able to move forward and help the client out, but there is absolutely a desire to, and a need to get back to the face-to-face in person. And now that we've been able to open up a little bit and have people into our office, there's, again, these types of virtual meetings are great for, you know, quick meetings and you don't have to travel, but there is still a huge value in sitting down face-to-face And being able to sit across from the table and a personal connection.
0: I would absolutely agree with our business as well. And I think that it's actually one of the big challenges that people are still trying to figure out is like, how do you build that trust only on virtual calls? It just doesn't have the same impact always depending on situation and what's needed. So I I totally hear you on that.
1: It's very difficult. And I I remember telling Al that I was very worried because all of my business was face to face, you know, pre-pandemic. And uh, I remember the first time I, I had a discovery call on a virtual call like we're doing now. And, you know, it's certainly possible. And and we've done really well in continuing to build those relationships. So I think it's a skill set that you can build to continue to build relationships and develop relationships. And to your point, Paul, I mean, it's, especially for me now, I deal with companies with global operations. So You know, I would never in the past be dealing with someone in France and Germany and and Taiwan and 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 now I mean that's just become par for the course now. And I've been able to develop these relationships because of the technology like we're using today, Zoom. So my side of the business is a little bit different than Al's. Al's on the Financial and estate planning side is a little more intimate, whereas lying on the business side, we can certainly accomplish a lot working in a virtual environment. And I've had clients joke around that there's no longer any uh, awkward time where I have to get up from my desk so that you'll you'll get up and leave. I just hit the red you know leave button and, and you're out of my office. So I think the answer does depend a little bit on on the side of the business, but. I certainly, you know, I do 100% of my appointments remotely. I do miss seeing people and I think a lot of our listeners will relate to that and I and I'm hoping here we sit in early 2022. I'm I'm hoping, you know, mid to late 2022 we we are uh, in a bit, little bit more of a normal world and we can uh, we can get together because it would certainly uh, be nice to sit down and uh, you know talk to you in person for example.
0: Well, here's to that. I'm sure it'll happen soon.
1: Well, this has been awesome again, Paul. It's been great uh, getting to know you and your team and Thank you for joining us today, Paul, and thanks for sharing your story and Well Simple story. What's the best way for people to reach out if they have questions about yourself or what you're doing at Well Simple?
0: Thank you both for having me. And you know, the best way for people to connect with me is either on LinkedIn. I'm pretty active there. Find me in Paul Tashima, or on Twitter. I'm also pretty active there as well. And I definitely like engaging on the on the social networks and sharing content and ideas. So hope to see you there.
1: Okay, perfect. All right, that does it for today's episode. I really enjoyed this conversation. I hope you did too. If you have any questions for Al or myself, please feel free to give us a call or by joining the conversation on LinkedIn. Success leaves clues, my friends. And remember, it all starts with one.